We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles. This is Chris Biederman. Kyle normally does the intro, but I'm doing it right now for reasons that I will not get into because it's not important. But this podcast is brought to you by Cooperage Brewing and by Lamb Chops. Of course, we'll start with Lamb Chops, sglambchops.com. Go there, order clothing. We all know how stylish it is. The quality is great, sglambchops.com. And use promo code CANDLESTICK20 for 20% off your first order. And we're also, of course, brought to you by Cooperage Brewing in Santa Rosa. Go to cooperagebrewing.com, check out their beers. And if you're of age, 21 or older, and in the state of California, you can get Cooperage beer shipped directly to your door you can mix and match four packs um you can get an entire case of candlestick chronicles hazy ipa if you like of course that's our favorite be the envy of your tailgate we know 49ers fans love the candlestick chronicles hazy ipa cans because they have candlestick on them and they're red and gold and they look like footballs it's amazing um so shout out to all of our friends at cooperage and lamb chops uh, we have matthew collar on the podcast today. He is the author of Football is a Numbers Game, and of course, he covers the Minnesota Vikings at Purple Insider. So incredibly knowledgeable about the Vikings. We go through our prize picks. We talk about the 49ers and Vikings heading into Monday Night Football. Let's roll. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And also uh, a little crossover episode with our buddy uh, Matthew Collar from the Purple Insider. Uh, actually just got back from the Vikings facility. Uh, so Matthew, fresh off of a uh, trip to the Vikings facility, uh, what did you see? And are they going to win on Sunday? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Kirk Cousins talked about how he can't wait to be traded. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the- <laughs> Uh, Kirk Cousins mostly talked about his relationship with Kyle Shanahan, and I saw that Kyle Shanahan has uh, let it go when it comes to his lifelong dream of coaching Kirk Cousins again. There was There is a lot of love there between those two, but not so much love between Kirk Cousins and the 49ers defense, which tends to pummel him every time they play against each other. Um, but, you know, are they going to win? I don't think anybody in Minnesota is picking them to win. Uh, it's pretty unusual to see a Vegas line 
line against the Vikings going this far, by the way. I mean, I think during the entire Kirk Cousins era, they have never been underdogs by this much um, as long as they've had Cousins. Yeah, I mean, definitely not at home. But I, I can't remember too many times that they've ever been this much of an underdog as long as they've had Cousins as your, as the quarterback. And that it kind of defines the Cousins era of you're always in it. And whether you're you know having a chance to go anywhere kind of depends on which way the ball is bouncing at that particular time. This year, it has not bounced in their favor. But I think when you look at the rosters and where these two teams stand, the 49ers are considered the class of the NFC top to bottom maybe the best roster in the entire NFL, whereas the Vikings are a team that has enough talent to bother you as a good team, and they've bothered the good teams. They came close to Philadelphia, close to the Chargers, close to the Chiefs, but they don't have enough talent to beat the good teams in the league. And I I think that uh, that's, again, kind of been a trend over the years with the Vikings, where it's like, if you're a bad team, the, the Vikings and Kirk Cousins will probably beat you. And if you're a really good team, they'll probably come one score short of beating you. And and, and that that's happened the last couple of times they've played the 49ers. I mean, when you talk about like the 2019 playoffs or 2021, they go out to San Francisco and uh, Kirk Cousins lines up under the guard instead of the center on a red zone play and uh, didn't exactly work out there. So I I would not pick the Vikings in this game. And then I think if they do end up dropping to two and five, we're starting to have a lot of interesting discussions about trades. And if they do pull off an upset, then they're going to feel like the early part of the season was just the luck swinging back the other way. And now they're actually a good team. And here we go to the playoffs. So this is a a big swing game, I think, for their decision-making as we approach the trade deadline. So six games is still a relatively modest sample size, of course, but you look at the two wins the Vikings have had, they're two and four, their two wins have been against the Panthers and Bears who are combined one and 11 this season. Um, Vikings were a team that went to the playoffs last year, and I understand there was a lot of luck potentially involved. The, the single score record was what it was last year, and now you know, it sort of swung the other direction, as you alluded to. But like, what's the biggest difference in your mind between uh, this year's Vikings team and, and last year's Vikings team, given that the only teams they've been able to beat on their schedule have, have really just been the worst ones. Yeah. And their wins against those terrible teams have been far less than impressive. I mean, I hope you didn't see the Viking Chicago game because I noticed your eyes still yeah, working that one. did not burn out and fall out. Uh, It was one of the worst football games I've ever watched. And that was followed by Carolina and the Vikings where uh, the, you know, the Vikings offense didn't do a whole lot. And yet still Bryce young was driving with a chance to potentially tie that game. And yet, as I mentioned that they played the good teams pretty close. So it it is, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a very bizarre thing to figure out. Um, why NFL one score games go the way they go is something. If anybody does actually figure that out, feel free to let me know. But I did notice though, as I was going through this last year and it was this big debate over the one score games and uh, are they actually good? Are they complete frauds? So of course I'm writing about this kind of on a weekly basis. Number one thing I noticed is that Tom Brady's one score game record was amazing. So it cannot be complete luck. I mean, that guy played forever. He's the best player ever. And he won way more one score games than he lost. And then there was a 538 study that I ran across that I think really sharpened my eye about how to feel about the one score game thing, which they were trying to define 
real one score games, not one score games where you're up by two touchdowns mm. the whole game and the other team drives at the end and, and so forth. And what I found was that the Vikings had a lot of games last year where they were winning by two scores. And then the other team in, in a game against Chicago kind of reminds me that the other team comes back because they didn't have a defense that could really close you out, but their win probability in the fourth quarter was like 92% or something. Mm. So they had maybe half of those one score games were like that, where they were really winning and they dominated and they were, they were playing really well. And then they kind of let the other team back in. Those to me are not luck. You outplay the other team and then just sort of score effects came into play. Right. This year's Vikings has been the opposite of that. So they were down 27 to seven in Philadelphia and then they get a couple of quick strikes at the end. They were down 21 to 10 against the Chargers and they had a chance and they were at the goal line to potentially win it. But they got outplayed for most of the game to be down two scores late. And the Chargers, I think, late in the third quarter had something like an 89% chance to win using the you know game cast or whatever. And, and so I think that like that narrative that it's just been all the one score game luck is not really super accurate. Um, and the biggest difference is that they let go a lot of very talented players, which they mm -hmm. had to do to rebuild their roster. But to me, Patrick Peterson picking off passes at the end of games to close them out is not luck. That's one of the greatest right. players ever making plays. And also a Caleb Evans, a Viking second year corner, not intercepting the same ball and having it bounce off his head. Yeah, there's some luck there. The fact that the Chargers guy caught it, but it's not yeah. luck that he didn't pick it off. He's not Patrick Peterson. And, you know, Zedarius Smith isn't here and, and Adam Thielen isn't here as well. So there's, I think there's uh, some differences there in the talent of the two situations. Um, but I also think that there's been a little difference in the way Kirk Cousins has played last year. I thought he was hanging in the pocket and as everyone saw on Netflix displayed some incredible toughness. And this year, I think he's been far more apt to on third and seven throw three yards. If he gets any pressure, I don't know if he enjoyed being pulverized last year and, and cause he was really, really beat up last season. And I've wondered about that. Um, you know, there's some coaching things we've wondered about. I feel like they're better coached on defense and, and they're a better defense in some ways, but also their best performances have come against horrible offenses. It's it. Yeah. The, the answer could go on for quite some time, but I think that this is a, a worse roster that's being coached a little bit better on defense. Um, that probably is a, is more like a seven win team by its strength. And last year's mm -hmm. team was more like a 10 or 11 win team by its strength. And it's kind of played out that way, only just a little more extreme because of the luck on, on both sides. So what are they doing? What, so, no, you, because you, you say that they let some good players walk so they could start this rebuild. So why are Kirk Cousins and Daniil Hunter still on the team? Well, I mean, one is they have an ownership that was not going to accept going from 13 wins to like four. And if they wanted to say draft Nick sure. Bosa and have Nick Mullins get you there, they could have, um, uh, <laughs> you guys owe Nick something for that. Um, but you could, you could have done that. You could have done that, which would be to start a quarterback that had no chance whatsoever to win and tried to tank for Caleb Williams. And on paper, that seems great. On Madden, that seems great. But you won 13 games the year before. It's very hard to accept if you're the ownership or the coaching staff, by the way. They want a lot of collaboration between the coach and the general manager. What coach mm -hmm. is going to say, you know what? Yeah. 
give away my quarterback. That's going to get me back to the playoffs or at least in the hunt uh, for the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tanking, right. No, they're not, is not going to do that. Um, so you can see why they would want to keep that in place. Also, you have this pretty important guy named Justin Jefferson that, would not be too happy about that. And you want him to sign an extension where he's going to be a Viking for life. And Mm -hmm. is he going to be thrilled to lose week after week after week with Nick Mullins or with Jaron Hall? uh, Because you're saying, Oh, don't worry, Justin, it'll be better next time. Like that's again, a great, a great thing to simulate the season on Madden with your punter and a quarterback. But in real life, you know, Justin (laughs) Jefferson, it wants to be the greatest receiver of all time. Like he wants to chase Jerry Rice's records. That's, that's his goal. So he Mm -hmm. doesn't want to go through a season where you're telling him, Oh no, buddy. Yeah. The ball's going to fly over your head a lot and bounce in front of you a lot, but just like do your best. Uh, and they just have too much too many of those types of players, Christian Darisaw, Brian O'Neill, great offensive lineman, too good of an offense to just say, Hey, forget it. But to your point, once you start one and four, you got to be realistic because even at two and four, their playoff chances, depending on where you look is about 10 to 15%. So I think that you have to play this game and see what happens. And if you win this game, all right, well, Maybe you approach the trade deadline differently because you look at the NFC and your schedule and you go, if we could beat the 49ers, well, then certainly we could get to the playoffs. But if you go to two and five, then the coaching staff and the ownership doesn't have a good argument to the management like that you can make the playoffs and then you start to sell off. I don't think selling Kirk Cousins is realistic. I never thought it was realistic. He wants to be here. He also has a no trade clause. And I mean, do we think it's really possible that he could just go to the jets, snap his fingers and what download the whole offense? Is that how that works? Like you just plug in your brain and have the whole offense in there. Like they have a long training camp, OTAs, mini camp and everything else, but he's supposed to what, like learn it in a weekend and start outplaying Zach. Mm -hmm. Wilson. Maybe he could, maybe he could. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe he could, but I don't know if he would want to do that. And that's not really for any guarantee. The only situation I think he would accept the trade is if Brock Purdy got hurt and he switched jerseys like the, like this, this week, I think he would do it to, to go to Shanahan. And that's the only one that he would possibly do. But overall, when you ask what they're doing, I think what they're doing makes complete sense. If you had kept Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, Zadarius Smith, these older players who are very expensive and hurt your salary cap to do it for the future, that would not have make, made a whole lot of sense. So now they're in position to take these players like Jefferson, Darisaw, O'Neal, Jordan Addison, and give them to the next quarterback and then use the uh, rookie wage scale hack to rebuild the rest of the defense right. where there's holes. And you, and you can see this. It's just that it's so much easier to say than to actually get there. Like the road is never easy to go right. through rebuilding rosters because, you know, coaches get frustrated and fans get frustrated and want people fired and things like that. So it's, it's a battle to get there, but you can see how the plan is playing out. Um, I think fumbles are hard to talk about because oftentimes like, it's not always just like, Oh, they're just not great at ball security and things like that. But looking at the Vikings and the fact that they've lost nine fumbles in six games feels like a ton. And, you know, they're turning the ball over at one of the worst rates in the league, despite only having four interceptions thrown in six games. So, um, I, I, that being said, like saying fumbles are hard to talk about what's going on with the Vikings fumbles. (laughs) I've got a fumble theory. 
And I have no idea if it's the real reason or if it just sounds great. So this is like Kyle's in sports radio. You know, this is, this is something you bring to sports radio and you just don't care if it's right or not you, because it sounds good. Like we, you know how that goes. So this, so here I'm going to present this to you in the off season, the Vikings let go Delvin cook. They let go Adam Thielen and they gave a huge contract to TJ Hawkinson. Right. And so a lot of players were sort of pushed into certain positions that were maybe above where they were before. So KJ Osborne was wide receiver three. TJ Hawkinson was not considered to be like a top three tight end. He was not Kittle. He was not Kelsey. He was sort of a next tier down. And Alexander Madison was a backup running back. Now, these guys have done a lot of the fumbling. And I wonder if it's a little bit in all of those guys' head that with Osborne and with Madison, like this is my year. I got to prove I'm RB one. I got to prove I'm wide receiver too. Osborne's going to be a free agent after this season. I got to show that I'm going to be the guy. TJ Hawkinson, and and I'm I'm, lo- I'm I'm also including drops in this as well, drops and fumbles, and Hawkinson gets this huge contract. So now it's well, you better play like Travis Kelsey every week. You better go up and make some plays. You better try to extend that that, that first down. You better try to reach the ball. You know, I think there's been a little bit of guys trying to do too much. Even Josh Oliver's fumble uh, against Kansas City, like Josh Oliver got a big contract, and it's his first real big contract in the NFL. He's been marvelous at what they ask him to do. Absolutely tremendous. But what they ask him to do is not to be a receiver who's getting 15 yard gains. And so it's like, I got the ball. I'm supposed to be making this big play. I got to try to stretch it out and go the extra mile. And that's where you end up getting fumbles. And one of them was Justin Jefferson trying to desperately reach the ball over the goal line, which also feels like trying to do a little bit too much. That's Mm -hmm. the theory. Now, sounds great. I hope it sounded awesome the way that I laid it out there. I have no idea if that's really the case or not, or if it's just completely random. I've never seen anything like it. It's not just them fumbling. It's also they never recover anybody else's fumble. That's the wild part (laughs) until last week against Chicago. But like for the most part, everybody else who fumbled, the Eagles fumble the punt and it bounced right back to the Eagles. Like, I don't know this. This is weird. And this is what they're clutching on to. And this is what they keep saying to us is guys, if we just would, you know, ball security and wouldn't have all those fumbles. And I guess my thought is you're still average in so many ways that I'm not sure that changed anything exactly, except maybe week one. I don't think it changed the fact that the chargers or the Eagles or the chiefs are better than you. And that I don't know that it changes that you win or lose those games, but I do know that it's 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 impacted them a lot, and that's what they're kind of hanging on to to argue, hey, we're actually a good team that just had a lot of fumbles. I don't I don't agree with that, but I like that's a that's the thing that they're sort of pushing forward with. Uh, you've mentioned Justin Jefferson a couple of times. He's obviously not going to play. He's on injured reserve with a hamstring injury. How has Jordan Addison, the rookie from USC, uh, looked prior to his absence and since his absence? And is there a difference? Uh, Yeah. Prior to his absence, he looked fantastic. I mean, Jordan Addison can destroy man-to-man coverage. He Mm -hmm. can do it short, intermediate, deep routes. We saw him 
completely shake a guy on a 60 yard touchdown in Philadelphia. I think that's how far it was. And they, he, we, we saw him against Kansas city. Uh, maybe you've seen the highlight kind of bouncing around about Kirk cousins with a great anticipation throw to Addison in the end zone, but Addison absolutely roasts the guy off of the line of scrimmage. Uh, they've tried to play physical with him at the line of scrimmage because he's small and it hasn't worked uh and he's got great hands you know he uh, he's one of the guys who hasn't dropped the pass or fumbled he's made great plays <laughs> however last week the chicago bears treated him like he was justin jefferson they are aware that nobody else on this team can beat man coverage hawkinson mm. is supposed to be able to but he has not done it this year in the same way that he did it last year when he's been manned up with linebackers and he certainly doesn't have any better of a matchup this week that's for sure but yeah. i mean when he's lined up against linebackers you expect him to be able to shake those guys and that has not really happened uh, at the same rate and KJ Osborne, that's not who he is. He he doesn't have that quick twitch. He's more of a get him moving across the field, and then he's hard to bring down. But last week, every third down and more than about four, Jordan Addison's double teamed because the Bears just said, "Okay, yeah, we're gonna just take him away." And you know, you know, he's not with Justin Jefferson. If if he's double teamed, it's like, ha, okay. Well, who cares, right? Sure. Like they're, they're throwing the ball anyway. Uh, but that's not Jordan Addison. Like he's not Superman flying through the air like, right. like Jefferson is. Uh, so they have to work harder to find one-on-one -on -one matchups for him. And, you know, maybe that's by using motions, alignments, splits, uh, whatever they're going to do. But it wasn't enough last year or last week. And I think they're going to continue to really, really struggle. The whole offense is built for Justin Jefferson to be doing double moves down the field and catching 30 yard passes. Like that's what it's for, but, it, but you don't have another guy where you could just replace that. So it's sort of like, you know, it's like if you build an offense based on Joe Montana's footwork and then tell Elvis Gerback to do it, like, well, it's not exactly the same. <laughs> what? That'd be crazy. <laughs> it's not exactly um, the same, right? You know, so I, I think it's a huge, huge struggle for them, despite the fact that I really like what I've seen from Jordan Addison overall. It's interesting, just real quick, uh, Matthew, it's interesting that you say TJ Hawkinson can't separate from anyone. Did he not work out at George Kittle's TEU this summer? Uh, he may have. It's interesting. Yeah. Huh. He, he might have. I wonder have. what they're teaching I... down there. <laughs> we have uh, a running bit that, that George Kittle isn't good now. That's a bit oh. on the show. So, okay, welcome. He still, I was he, still dominates, he still dominates in the run game and is very apparent to anybody who watches but like his fantasy numbers aren't there so anytime he has like a, a game where like last week i mean last week wasn't a great game for him but you know one catch we're just like where's george kittle wow george Why kittle not? stinks now he's washed um i i, I have a, a broad question and forgive me if this sounds flippant but do vikings fans like having kirk cousins as their quarterback great question um yeah that's a it is a good question i think if you stopped at, do they like Kirk Cousins? The answer would be yes. Like they, they like him in the way that they think accurately that he is a very good quarterback who is a family man that they want to gravitate toward, who gave his body for them last year and came up with a bunch of clutch plays and kind of dispelled some of the narratives that weren't actually really accurate by the numbers about his game winning drives and all that stuff. He had very similar game winning drive percentages to pretty much anybody else. Um, but just, you know, has a lot of those opportunities cause they never run away from anybody. So every failed one is like, you're the worst quarterback ever the Monday night football record, the national TV stuff, you know, all that sort of comes up. But 
you know, he showed last year that in, in the right circumstances, he can be a winning quarterback, but he also showed limitations as well. Like if your defense isn't good enough, if your offensive line isn't good enough, like getting over the hump is a thing that has just not happened. The highlight of the Kirk Cousins era was getting to fly out to um, whatever that park is called out there in San Francisco. That is very nice, by the way, but also is not in San Francisco, but, but not even but close. very nice. <laughs> the relatively close park to San Jose that I visited in 2019, getting the flight was the highlight of the Kirk Cousins era, not the game. And I think from that <laughs> aspect, no, they do not want Kirk Cousins as their quarterback anymore because of the totality of what we've seen. And eventually you just feel like you're living in a simulation. And when we have the coach up at the podium, once again, it's a nicer coach than it was before, but we have him once again saying, I believe in this team. I believe in this two and four team can work their way back to the playoffs. You're like, wait a minute. I've seen this before 2020, 2021, 2018, like everything we've seen now is just something we've seen before with Kirk cousins. And is it all his fault? Well, that's you talk about inside jokes on your show. The, is it Kirk cousins fault is like a long running thing for me where we have to stop and say like, public service announcement. We are not completely blaming Kirk cousins for everything regarding the Minnesota Vikings lack of success. So it's every, everybody wanted him to win. Like that's the thing. So right. do they like Kirk cousins? I think that they do, but at some point you go, it's been six years and you have one playoff win. And then the next week you got completely pummeled and you've never been back to the second round of the playoffs since. And even when they, uh, even when they won that game in new Orleans, they were a number six seed going into the playoffs back when there was only six seeds. So that's right. not, that's not what you signed him for. You signed him to go back to the NFC championship after 2017 and whether it's his fault or not really doesn't matter at this point. And it's the other thing too, is when you have a quarterback who is such a pocket quarterback who does not do anything else, he has, you guys want to guess, I want you to guess how many scrambles does Kirk cousins have this year? Three, One. two he has two scrambles Ow. this year. Right around we, it. We had it surrounded. <laughs> Very I, that's uh spoiler alert for prize picks. I've got him going less than three and a half rushing yards. <laughs> that's a, that is a good selection. Uh, uh, and you could, and, and so there's like an element of, this is a quarterback who see, is just more of a pocket quarterback who doesn't have enough juice to be able to take you over the top. And everybody knows it. And he's not getting better at age 35, 36, 37 going forward. So the decision to call this his last year, which is where we stand as of this moment, is the right one, even though I think the fans really wanted to embrace him as their quarterback. That makes sense. I felt like for for me, just as watching Kirk Cousins and trying not to lean too hard into the like, well, he flops in the playoffs thing. Losing at home to the Giants last year, that that to me was kind of the final straw. Like that's you can't do that. That was not a good Giants team. Yeah, and right there is the perfect way to describe the Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota where it's always, if you go back and look at his stat line from that game and you look at a lot of the drives in that game, you'd go, well, he went 21 for 28 with 200 and whatever yards and two mm -hmm. touchdowns and no picks. And he had a 114 quarterback rating and you're blaming him. I can't tell you how many times we've been through this with many, many games, but uh -huh. you go, 
And, oh, and look, it was the defense's fault. You go like, well, yeah, actually, it was the defense's fault. That's very true. Da- they let Daniel Jones lead a game-winning drive. My Lord. Uh, yeah. and, and how much money Daniel Jones got just because of the Minnesota Vikings is absolutely incredible. Because it wasn't wow. just that game. It was a couple weeks before he went for like 300 yards and three touchdowns as well. So, yeah, it was the defense's fault. Like, that's true. At the same time, the man threw a check down to TJ Hawkinson on fourth down and eight with the season on the line and not to Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen down the sidelines. And, and, and then after that goes on at the podium and on Netflix and tells everyone that he made the right read. And you just go, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like I, I want to defend you Kirk, but I can't defend that. Like, and so it's like that it's always been just a day late, a dollar short at every Mm -hmm. turn. You know, the same thing is he leads this amazing game winning drive in new Orleans to win a playoff game. And the next week you're like, Oh man, one big performance away and you're NFC championship. And wow. And then it's a, it's a no show and they're down two scores checking down at uh, what is that? Tell me the name of the park. Levi stadium. Levi Levi stadium. Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing food in the press box at Levi Stadium, but <laughs> oh, you, but you know what I mean. Don't get like, me started so, on the chicken tendies. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> so that's but that that's the perfect way to describe it. Is the guy played great, and it wasn't his fault they lost. Like they just played bad on mm-hmm. defense. But you needed just ever so slightly more. Like the thing is, the the unfortunate part about having Patrick Mahomes in this league is that you can always just be like. Look at that. Like the LeBron meme, just like, look at that. The, yeah. His defense gets throttled by the Philadelphia Eagles and his leg is hanging off. And the guy somehow puts up 35 and wins. It's just like, yeah, you kind of need to have a guy who can do something a little bit more at, mm-hmm. at those moments. And he's, and but you can't ask him to be something he's not. And the other part is too, if we could only find the person responsible for the defense being bad, the guy taking up 20% of the cap. And that's what it's really about. Because the reality is, if Kirk Cousins is sitting in Brock Purdy's seat, then I bet he's five and one. The problem is he can never be sitting in Brock Purdy's seat because San Francisco has given out so much freaking money to everybody that the Vikings would never have. Like yeah. you don't get hard <laughs> Hargrave with him. Right. You don't sign Bosa with right. him to that type of contract because he's taking up so much cap space. And that's why that's long been a hack in the NFL is uh, Trent, Trent Williams is not playing for this team it, because the the most money they've ever handed out. Now, this is trivia. You won't get you guys were close on the scrambles. The most money they ever handed out. Any idea what free agent it was that the Vikings signed? Take a guess. Oh, geez. Total dollars. Total dollars. You have me stumped. Michael Pierce. There's no way you would ever get that. Yeah. That's not a real person. No, No, actually he was. He's very big. But that's the point. From 2018 to present, the most free agent dollars they were ever able to give out to an outside free agent to improve their team was Michael Pierce, and it was like 30 million bucks. I mean, that it just shows you the limitations that you have with him. And that's why, like, you asked me about the cousins thing, and it's like, how long do you got, guys? Because this is a long, it's a long explanation, but it all kind of comes back to living in reality that they've tried this, it hasn't worked. And it's time for this to be the last last run. And if they win this game, then that sort of continues. And if they lose this game, their playoff chances go to almost nothing. And it really it almost assures us that they will be moving on from Cousins and drafting a quarterback next year. 
Uh, Matthew, now that you're a big time author, you should write a book about the Kirk Cousins era. Just, just an idea. Just, pitch, just pitching that. Just pitching that to you. Just, no, you. No, can I? Ahead. Can I say though? That's the problem. What do you even write? Like that's the problem. Six I, years, and it's always like the Vikings. There's a joke I have with uh, one of the analytics people, Tage Seth from Sumer Sports, that the Vikings are always in the middle of every chart that they send out. You know, those nerds send out all those charts all the time, <laughs> and they're like always in the middle. It's like what's to write? Whoever writes a book about the team that finished eight, seven, and one. Like and that's the, the the Kirk Cousins era is just finishing eight, seven, and one and different versions of that. One time they got lucky, one time they didn't. And that's why that's why you have to move on. You have to demand better of yourself than just being in the playoff hunt uh in December. I will I will always respect Kirk Cousins for being the archetype of the quarterback who's pretty good in the perfect situation and can always put up numbers, but is always a quarterback you're sort of hoping you can move on from and upgrade from eventually. Like I, he's I, the I Joe Montana her. of Jimmy Garoppolo's. Yeah, like he's 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 a symbolic quarterback for his era, uh, good or bad. You can't, you'll never be able to take that away from him. So yeah. I appreciate that. It, it's true, and yet at the same time, I sort of get frustrated in some ways about the comparisons with Jimmy G and Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff is wildly better than Kirk Cousins. I don't even think it's close. Wow. But but box score wise. Box score wise, it looks it looks like Kirk is just as good. But there was a crazy stat that I had going into last week's game, and it kind of changed since then because Bears. But Kirk Cousins had thrown 161 passes when losing and 12 when winning going into last week's game. And there's no and and I looked this up since 2020. That was like 700 and something to 200 something. Like all stats are not built the same. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, you give him third and 12, he might make a throw. But I know he, yeah. I know, I'm sure you guys go, oh, Garoppolo wasn't that good. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, Kirk Cousins he, was handed was an NFC championship rip. team. Yeah, right. He was handed an NFC championship team and won eight games. Jimmy Garoppolo went to the Super Bowl in the NFC championship. And I know QB wins, but like the same thing with Jared Goff, where Goff is leading consistently top five offenses. Kirk Cousins has never led a top five offense. To me, that's very much reflective of what the quarterback does. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that you, it's fair to categorize quarterbacks sometimes that way. But there's also like a Kirk Cousins had the best receivers in the world his entire time here that I think have propped him up. And we see him last week without Justin Jefferson. And he looks like Sean Mannion. And it's just like, Okay, I don't know. Like I, I'm not, now we're like leaning into the 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 hating of of Kirk Cousins, which I'm not trying to do. But it's just you get to some point, you go, it's not, it's just not good enough. It's good, but it's just not good enough. All right, before we get to the homies over at Prize Picks, tell us about your book. You wrote a book, Football is a Numbers Game: Pro Football Focus and How a Data Driven Approach Shook Up the Sport. Um, that sounds fascinating. It really was. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about statistics and contextualizing stats. So what I did was in 2021, I reached out to the founder of pro football focus, which nobody knows. Uh, Chris his Collins name is, uh, it, it, now, he's not the founder. He is the <laughs> owner, but he's not the founder. Right, and people right. do know Chris Collinsworth. Uh, but Neil Hornsby is his name. And what I discovered is that he is a random guy from England who loved football and basically loved football to the point where he wanted to uh, understand it better and started to grade players and games with his friends that he met on the internet just as something to do for his own interest and then started to build that and 
posted on the website and got contacted by NFL teams because the data was good and interesting and accurate and then built this team that now this group in, in PFF that has grown over the years, sold to Chris Collinsworth and become a part of every single NFL building. And so I went kind of looking for where did these grades come from? How are they done? How do NFL teams use PFF? Cause you'll hear that. Oh, we have contracts with all 32 teams. And what I did not understand is that PFF sort of accidentally on purpose uh, revolutionized the way that every NFL building works. And I did not wow. know that going in, but I discovered that going in and uh, I'll leave it to people to read the book to, to find out how that happened. But I can't wait. Uh, and it, truly, truly incredible story. And the other thing I found that was really cool is the people who built PFF all have really fascinating life stories, like people that, and you know, this going through it with media of like, you sometimes not being sure what you're doing with your life, where you're going, do you have a direction, things like that. Uh, these football fans who ended up finding a lifelong career in football through PFF, which they never thought they were going to have. So a lot of very, very cool stories. And then also a, a major part of this is chronicling the analytics revolution of football, because I think we entirely think about it as punting or not punting. And what I tried to do is dive so much deeper into that. I don't know if you guys have heard of the big data bowl, um, but like the way that um, analytics are now shaping the entire NFL and PFF was kind of the analytics company on the spot at the exact right time. So it was a super, super fun project to do. Uh, sat down with Chris Collinsworth in a small Cincinnati cafe, uh, you know, as part of the book and, and things like that. So a lot of uh, interesting things happened along the way. So I, I hope um, the, the people who read it feel like they are enlightened on where this all came from and how the NFL is operating behind the scenes. Yeah, I can't I can't wait to read it. It's immediately I have like this stack of books and it just immediately went to the top of of my list to read. Uh, you guys want to do some prize picks? Yeah, let's do it. I got a couple. Let's dive in. Matthew, have you done your, yeah, it's big, big my prize picks guy. Daily doing daily fantasy has just dramatically altered the way I, I watch and enjoy football. So uh prize picks has been awesome for that. And I feel really good about my my injuries this week. Um, so I'll go, I'll go first here. Uh, Brock Purdy's passing yard yard, passing yards total is a 236 and a half. I'm going to go less than that. However, I'm going to go more than 43 and a half receiving yards for George Kittle. And I'm going to go more than 65 and a half for Brandon Ayuk because I'm not totally sure if Christian McCaffrey, uh, and, uh, and Debo Samuel are going to play. And at the rate the Vikings blitz, I think it's going to be just a lot of quick stuff to George Kittle getting the ball out of Brock Purdy's hands. And then I've got Alexander Madison less than 68 and a half rushing and receiving yards combined. And I've got that Kirk Cousins less than three and a half rushing yards. I feel really great about it. I, I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, in, in a similar vein, just with some of those, I will go, uh, I'll go more. Kirk Cousins passing yards uh, because I think the Vikings will be losing. And when they're losing, they are going to rack up a lot Forget of yards. And I would go, I would go Brock Purdy less than, than 236 and a half uh, because they'll be winning. 
and he won't have to throw as much. It's a very <laughs> simple formula. And the same thing with Alexander Madison and the rushing yards. At some point, they have to just start giving Cam Akers the football. Uh, the Vikings have one of the higher graded by PFF run blocking groups, and I agree mm-hmm. with this. And I don't think they've gotten anywhere near what they should have out of their running back so far. And I mm. think the rushing yards over expected will kind of tell that story as well. Um, so I think Cam Akers is going to get more work and I will go less on Alexander Madison. All right. So I'm going to zag on Kyle a little bit. I'm going more there are both of you guys. I'm going more than uh, 236 and a half passing yards for, for Brock. I just think a lot of it's going to be a bounce back type situation where um, you know, I, I think last week's game in Cleveland will end up proving to be more of the outlier than the indication on on what's to come with Brock. Um, I read that, you know, the, the Vikings blitzing as much as they do and Christian McCaffrey being banged up. Um, I think the Niners are going to try to beat beat that blitz with the pass because it's it's a lot harder to to beat a blitzing team with the run. Um, and and so along with that, I'm going more than 65 and a half receiving yards for Brandon Ayuk. He was another guy sneaky, didn't have a great game last week. A couple of drops um, only they, they only connected on four of 10 of his targets. Um, right. Brandon Ayuk's been a lot better than that. And, and had he made that catch that deep reception in the first quarter, I, I think that game probably looks a lot different because that might've gone for a touchdown. Um, and instead, obviously the 49ers lost by two points. So um, I just have those two. Uh, I don't have a great feel for much else because of all the injuries the 49ers are dealing with. And I probably would take the less than on just about every number, maybe with the exception of Kirk Cousins pass attempts, given how good the 49ers defense is and how angry I think they're probably going to play after what happened in Cleveland. Um, but the only ones I have officially uh, more than 65 and a half receiving yards for Brandon Ayuk and more than 236 and a half passing yards for Brock Purdy. See, now I feel bad because I sort of went on a huge Kirk Cousins thing and we didn't talk about the blitzing or the matchup or whatever. Uh, that's fine. Blitz, the Kirk Cousins thing is way more interesting. Yeah, yeah they'll blitz yeah. a lot. There's my take. <laughs> I love it. All right. Um, prize picks. The good news, Chris, is you only need two. You can pick two to six players, um, pick more than or less than on their statistical projections. It's super easy. Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick. Right now, use promo code candlestick for up to a $100 first deposit match. That is prizepicks.com slash candlestick, promo code candlestick for up to a $100 first deposit match. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I think I nailed that. I didn't even have to read in front of me. I think I nailed it. I feel really good about it. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Matthew, this was really great. Uh, Thanks for stopping by. Can't wait to read the book. And uh, looking forward to a good one on Sunday. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. See you, man. See you, buddy. Thanks again.